Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of The Young Gun Show. Today, my guest is Daniel Eden. Dan is a web designer, web standards enthusiast, beer drinker, and checkered shirt-wearing student from Manchester. He writes websites in browser-friendly HTML and CSS and has done a fair bit of dabbling in PHP. Hey, Dan, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm fine, yeah. Had a good bit of weather over here for once, so making the most of it. Is it is it still cold there over in the UK? or? Uh, it has been. We had like a week of sunshine, and then one day it just decided it was going to snow for a day, so that was fun. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of jealous. I, I'm here in the uh, mid-United States, almost right in the very center, and usually by this time of the year, it should be 60 on a warm day, right? But yeah. we had like almost no almost no snow all this winter, and uh, it's in the 80s and upper 80s almost every day. It's it's I don't like it at all. It's way too hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Okay, so I guess we'll just get on to the show. So what got you into web design, and I guess what made you want to pursue it? Um, well, kind of the same way that everyone else does, where I had a band, so, and they were like, okay, we need some like CD covers and everything, so I thought, okay, I should do that. And I opened Photoshop for the first time, and then that's kind of where I got into the design side of things. And then one day, um, my mum, who owns a... A PR company, public relations company. She said to me, "Oh, we need a website." And I said, "I can do that." And I'd never touched code before in my life, so I was lying. But I thought I can, I can learn while I'm going along. So that's um, that's basically how I started out, just kind of doing odd jobs for family and friends and everything. And then one day, kind of realized I'm actually really enjoying this, and there's decent money in it. So I'll carry on. Cool. Would you? I don't know, would you consider yourself more of a designer or a developer? Um, I'm not really sure. I kind of like to think that I'm not really good enough in either field to say, oh, I'm definitely a designer or a developer. Um, but I am trying to concentrate more on design these days and kind of hone my skills on that. So I've bought kind of hundreds of pounds worth of books in the last few weeks on design and everything, so just working my way through those. So how important is it for a designer to know how to code, would you say? Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily important. Um, but really? it does help. Yeah, it does help a lot, though. Yeah. Uh, once you, if, you're, if you're designing a website, once you understand kind of the limits of the code that will be put into it, then you start to kind of think, oh, okay, well, we're restricted to this and this and this, and you think, okay, I need to think about this design differently. It helps. It helps a lot to really understand kind of the semantics of the uh, of all the HTML elements at the very least. I don't know. That's that surprises me that you that you wouldn't say it's um, necessary. I know Elliot was it Elliot J. Stocks a few months ago that wrote that post that sent Twitter in a tizzy for uh, for a few weeks, and it was well, is it? Is it absolutely necessary, or can you be a fair designer without actually knowing um, how to code it, or even at least just the basics of knowing how to code it? And yeah. I always, I don't know, I always kind of sided on the thought that, yeah, if if you're really going to be worth your worth your salt as a designer or as a web designer anyway, I, I'm not sure I would say the same as like a, for like a mobile apps designer, right? 
Yeah. Like, I don't think you need to know how to write Objective-C to to design an iPhone app. But for oh, the yeah. web, I, it certainly seems to me like definitely a very good thing, but almost necessary. Yeah, I can see that. But at the same time, I... I've worked with a few um, kind of purist designers who don't do any code, and I quite like that because they kind of come to me and they give me a design and they go, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I go, okay, this could be interesting. And um, just kind of work with them on that for a while, and that, that way we can both kind of break each other's boundaries in a way. So like the designer will go, okay, well, I can see how we're limited to this, but they'll then show me. They're learning alongside as well, so they're learning HTML and CSS while we're going along, and I go, okay, yeah, you can do that after all. So that's quite good that way. Yeah. Uh, what about, I guess, backend? Like, um, you know, Ruby on Rails or PHP, where would where do you see that fitting into a designer's um, skill set? Um, for a designer, I don't, think, I don't think you need to know backend code at all, really. Because, I mean... If you're a web designer, I would consider a web designer to be um, working with HTML, CSS, and maybe uh, JavaScript. Not not even that necessarily, but um, but again, it's really useful to know it. Uh, that's uh, one of the things that got me into kind of learning some a little bit of PHP and WordPress and everything was kind of thinking, okay, I can design these things, but I can't really can't really make them. So I'd, I'd end up calling other people and saying, can you make this for me or should I, it would be faster to do it myself basically. So that's where I started learning it all. So do you think it's even feasible for a designer to, to know how to design it and um, do the front end development and do the back end development? Or do you think that's just too much? I know there's like some people that can do it and, I don't know. Some people just seem to be able to do everything and be extremely good at everything. I don't know if you, if you know, of uh, Drew Wilson. Oh yeah, yeah, man, that guy can <laughs> do it all. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> he does whatever he wants in whatever language he wants, and it's always awesome. Yeah, or Sean it's... Inman is like that too. Oh yeah, yeah. but. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy what those guys can do. But, I mean, is that something, as a designer, if if you are designing apps and even building out the front end of them, would you, I guess, would you recommend learning at least enough back end to try to hack it together yourself? And maybe it's not as perfect or as um, excellent as uh, a pure developer is or, or somebody who, who spends most of their time developing, but at least works. Um, I, I wouldn't say that it's important to learn it all, but I would say that it, you should at least try and understand it. Like um, when when uh, I was working with um, Michael Wright on Aula, uh, he was he was the sole developer, and I was just doing all the design. So um, I would be looking at all the PHP that he was writing and kind of uh, saying to him, "Okay, so what does this mean? And what does this mean?" Like every single line. And um, but that was really good to kind of get a bit more of a grasp of what exactly is going on. If you understand, like I said before, if you understand the limits of the system, then it helps you design a lot better as well. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely feasible to to do it all, but I mean, you shouldn't force yourself to really. Just try and understand it is what I would say. 
So I guess that takes that's a you mentioned Aller. That's a great transition into what I want to talk about next. It was you've built a couple of apps or at least been a part of them, and Aller was one of the two major ones. Uh, what was that, and who'd you do it with, and could you could you tell talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, Aller is basically a mobile uh, web application for Forest, and um, it was essentially the first. I think it was the first one that actually made it out. I mean, if you're on Forest for a while, you probably saw all these kind of concepts for iPhone applications and everything. And um, and me and Michael, who's the who's the developer, he's um, Michael W90 on Twitter. Um, we kind of said to each other, "Well, no one's really doing anything about this. Why don't we do something?" So that's how that got started. And um, Within a few months, we had um, this working web application, and um, it was really popular, actually. So I think it's uh, definitely still one of the most popular ones available, considering that it works on kind of Android and BlackBerry and uh, the iPhone as well. So I think we've done quite well with that. Yeah. I was I was looking at it. it was, I don't know. Maybe this is cheating. I was looking at it on my iMac. <laughs> the other day, and it was it was looked really nice. I was I was impressed. I remember when the API first came out at Forest. It was everybody had an idea, and a lot of them were really nice. But I just kept waiting for something to actually yeah. happen, and nothing ever did. Or <laughs> er, nothing ever did in the time that I was there. I'm so, yeah, I need to. I guess that, I guess means I need to use Forest more. Well, this is the thing. It's gone downhill in quality an awful lot. Yeah. Um, but hopefully things will get better. Because, I mean, it was essentially Kyle kind of uh, moderating it all. I felt kind of sorry for him. Like, he'd made this amazing website, and it was just turned into crap, basically. And yeah. then and then um, they got bought out, of course. And hopefully that means that there'll be a lot more kind of a good quality stuff coming in and a lot better moderation of the of the all the bad stuff. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It it felt like in the time that I was there and I I guess I've still got an account there. I just don't hardly ever use it. Uh it, I don't know, the site went through so many transitions and phases and it had so many feels. Um yeah. it, it, when I first got there, there there were not that many people there. Right? Nowhere near oh, yeah. the community or the user base that it has now. And and most of the stuff, it, you could tell it wasn't dribble, but it it all was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but you know, the feedback was not it was it was <laughs> I don't know. Dribble is a great app, but the feedback it's, yeah, it's is terrible. Terrible. It's I wrote a blog post about this a while back, and maybe I'll put it in the show notes. But uh, the forest feedback at that point was still better than Dribble is today, but it was it was not anywhere near as good as it got. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess middle of last year, maybe maybe this time last year, I was the the feedback you were getting on forest was just extremely. The the quality was improving so much. Yeah, it, there was tons of it, and it was it was really what you know. People put time into their replies. Yeah, and you could tell, and a lot of people put a lot of time, and it was really becoming a great resource. And I kind of feel like 
about the time they started really trying to um, find funding for the site and they open up the supporter accounts and they, I, I'm not sure. I, I think I remember Kyle on uh, one of the five by five podcasts talking about how much time it took to look for venture capital. And I think they did some of that too. It, it, I don't know. It seemed like maybe this site got abandoned just a little bit. Yeah. And so the feedback was still there, but maybe not as well thought out. And it was like every other post is, look at this freebie I made, and it looks awful. Mm. And I know that was it, never... Yeah. And I know Kyle was aware of it. And I, yeah, I felt sorry for him too. It just seemed like he was in, he was in a no-win situation. Yeah. So what what do you think about the buyout? Um, well, I'm not really that active on Forest anymore, just because it did get to a point where you could scroll through a hundred posts, and one of them would be something legitimately interesting. The rest of them are all like freebies or whatever. But um, I, my initial reaction was kind of disappointed. Then I realised it will that um, if Kyle and the original team are still going to be relatively involved if anything is going to get a lot better i think i mean um just looking at it today actually it doesn't it seems to have toned down a lot on in terms of like how many bad posts there are up there so we'll see hopefully i'll be on there a lot more again <laughs> okay so your other app was brills uh what yes. was that and what did that do um for kind of a long time i thought to myself I really need something that I can just kind of give a bunch of numbers to and then say, okay, this is this is all the stuff that I spend money on and then this is how much money I get a month and just do all that for me. Otherwise, I'd end up sitting there with a calculator trying to do it all myself and so I thought, okay, well, what is there? Are there I mean, there's Mint that I'd heard of. That's the only thing that I can think of that does kind of um, financial management and everything, but that was just way too complex and... And it did things like accessing bank accounts and everything. I thought, I need something a lot simpler than this. So I made one. And then, like most of the things that I ended up making for myself, I just went, well, other people are probably going to find this useful. So I put it out there. And, um, yeah, it's not it's not had, like, a huge response. But the people who use it have said that they really like it, which is um, always nice to hear. So, yeah. And it gave me a chance to really get to grips with PHP as well because I I was doing stuff that I'd never done before so it was exciting and frustrating and um but I think it paid off eventually so I'm really happy with it so you did all the back end development too on it yes there's there've been two kind of major versions of it so far the first one I hand coded all myself um and it was um, it was essentially made for just me. So when other people started signing up for it, there would be a load of errors and everything. So I thought, okay, I'll I'll rewrite this. And in in one weekend, I managed to move the whole thing to Code Igniter, um, which is which has made it a lot better. Uh, so going back a little bit, I guess when you were working on Owler, you said you were working with a developer, uh, Michael. Yeah. What was I don't know what was it like working with somebody else? And I guess we talked about this right a little bit at the beginning with the designer and developer. Mm. And can you be both kind of a kind of an idea? But I mean, how important is finding the right partner in a joint project like that? Uh, 
yeah, it's, it's definitely important. I mean, me and Michael have been friends for a while anyway, so we kind of we didn't kind of bump into each other and go, oh, let's make something. We we knew each other for a while, and we both kind of shared this frustration with um, all these iPhone mock-ups of Forest going around, and we just kind of went, well, let's do something. So, and I already knew um, that Michael was really good at PHP, so I knew that I was working with somebody who knew their stuff, and um, hopefully Michael knew that he was getting into someone who knew a fair bit of HTML and CSS. So it was really good. Um, I don't think there was any friction at all. We just kind of played off each other like he would come up with something and I'd go, okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll make up some buttons for that. I have to say um, I was probably holding the whole thing back a lot more than he was because I would kind of go, yeah, yeah I'll, make a, I'll make a mock-up for that over the weekend and then three weeks later I'd go, oh, yeah, still not done that. So, But um, other than that, it was really good. How how um would how do you think you would go about finding a partner if you didn't know someone who uh was was skilled at 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 the um I guess at the skill you needed like if you're a designer and you want to you design a Mac app and you need somebody to code that up for you well you have absolutely no idea how how to judge even the quality of of a of a developer, right? Yeah. So how I don't know how would you how do you think you would go about finding someone to work with you on a project like that, especially if you really know nothing about about the the skill set that you would need in general. Mm. Well, um, to be honest, if I was in that kind of situation, I would probably try my my very hardest to do it myself, to learn it myself, just because I, I don't really like approaching people I don't know and saying, oh, do you want to do this for me? Because then it feels more like a job than it does kind of being friends with someone and making something like a fun project together. And um, I don't like that idea of, of becoming kind of work colleagues uh, before you're friends or anything. So if you are going to find somebody... Um, with that skill set, try and make friends with them before you go to them. Hey, do you want to make this thing with me? That's the only thing I would say. Because then you'll be honest with each other if you're friends. You're not going to kind of lie to each other and go, oh, yeah, that's you're going to go. That's a terrible idea. If it's a terrible idea, instead of kind of avoiding it completely. You think it's important to really define a leader in a project like that, or do you think um, you can? most of the time you could go at it as, as equals? Um, the projects I've been involved with so far, there hasn't been a leader, and it's worked really well um, for me so far. I, I think I was involved in one project a while ago that had a, a kind of a defined leader, and that kind of crashed and burned. So, <laughs> so I definitely think it's better to approach things as equals, because then then you don't really feel like somebody's going to be able to overrule everything that you say and say that's a terrible idea. You can you can all contribute something that way. What I guess in your two apps, what do you think the biggest things you learned from them were? Or just the the biggest thing when you look back and you look at them and you go, I am so glad I did Owler or Brills because it taught me this or I experienced this or it gave me a name or, I mean, what what are the biggest benefits that you think you've gotten from them? Um, 
probably just learning a lot more. I mean, I look back at some of the things that I've uh, coded up in HTML and CSS like several months ago, and I think, what was I thinking? This is this is awful. And just the more projects that you make, and the more the more things that you make, the more you realize, the more you learn, basically naturally and you kind of look back on your code and go oh, this is this is terrible stuff that I've written but that's that's a really good thing to happen that means you're that means you're learning and uh, when you're when you're working with other people it means that they can look at your code and kind of go what what have you written here this is terrible and and then you and you go well I've been doing that way all my life and they go no you're doing it all wrong and they'll, they'll show you a different way and you'll kind of go okay that's actually a lot better and you learn that way as well. Yeah. Well, and you can teach other people different things too, because I think, and I don't know, to me, when I can teach someone something, that makes it all just that much more enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. Which I think that's, I mean, the great thing about, and I know it's been said over and over, and but I, I think it's worth saying again that this industry, this web industry, whether you're talking design or development, people want to help each other. People want to help other people yeah. grow. And I think it's just made it an extremely open, extremely, I mean, easy to get into and easy to grow quickly. Yes. A community yeah. where that can happen. Yeah. And it, it really, it's really wonderful. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I haven't been in a whole lot of. I don't know if uh, I don't know if cake makers are the same way. I've, I've never, <laughs> I, I've never tried that, but it would. It certainly seems that this m must be more um, more open and more sharing than than most than most you know industries would be. I don't know, but yeah. it, it certainly seems like it. Yeah, it, I'd I'd say definitely. I I mean, um, if you think about kind of. The close, the next closest thing is probably like the print industry, which is immediately connected to the advertising industry. And I can't think of anything more private, or apparently more private, than the advertising industry. I mean, people kind of slit each other's throats to get past people in that business. Whereas here, we give each other tips all the time, which is fantastic. I really like it. I'm really happy that I've. Uh, we're all really lucky, basically, that we've got all these people around us that are willing to help us all. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, it, In the time I've been in the web, I just, I'm constantly amazed at what, what people are willing to tell you and the time somebody will put into writing just a huge blog post about something they've learned. And, and I mean, other than a pat on the back, they're not getting anything from it, but they'll spend hours. Yeah. I mean, take somebody like Chris Coyer in CSS Tricks. And that oh, guy has spent thousands <laughs> of hours of his life on yeah. that site, and I don't know what he makes in advertising or whatever, but I bet I bet his per hour income from that site is not extremely high. I I could be wrong, and I don't know if I can't think. Um, I don't think I know any single web designer who hasn't relied heavily on CSS tricks to kind of learn everything. I I wouldn't be a web designer if it wasn't for that site. Basically, I learned almost everything from there when I was starting out. So thanks, Chris. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Chris was actually the first person with a lot of Twitter followers to tweet yeah. about the show. And 
I think he's been responsible for a lot of the traffic this show's gotten. So, so thank you, Chris. <laughs> Uh, I, I guess, I don't know that this is a subject I was, I was looking over the archives in your blog and just reading through some of your posts and looking over them. And it seemed like I just kept running into open source in one way or another. And it was, it was really interesting to me. You, you've, you've approached it from both sides. You had a post, um, where you talked about how, um, you'll, you'll take a, a closed solution like uh, iPhone or iOS over maybe an open project like Android any day. Um, and cause you just feel like the quality is better and it's, it's better controlled and you end up getting better stuff. But, on but you've also written about how much he liked um, Ubuntu and uh, how, how, how helpful that was. And so yeah. I, I guess, and and you've also and I guess I should also mention you've you've written a couple of open source uh, projects yourself, uh, Toast, a CSS framework, and you wrote this really cool um, it's really cool CSS file. It's called animate.css that just like has all kinds of crazy ways to animate anything. I guess <laughs> I don't I don't know how how do you feel like young people can could best leverage open source and how do they how do they approach it i don't i don't know maybe that's going to be a hard question to answer but i'd be i'd be really interested in hearing your thoughts well i kind of feel like if you can afford it then go for the premium if that's if there's anything that i can say on in terms of like open source versus kind of proprietary stuff it is definitely go for the premium if you can afford it because a lot of the time you'll find if you go for the free or the cheap option, you'll end up replacing it more often than than uh, you would do if you got the the expensive one. And that's not just because of the price tag; it's because it's genuinely better software or better hardware in terms of computers and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you're right in that I kind of sit on the fence a little bit when it comes to open source because I feel like they've got the idea right. It's really nice that there are people out there who'll go, hey, look at this entire operating system that we made. Oh, it's all free. And um, I really like that idea. But at the same time, I kind of feel like everything that's open source is just this this terrible quality and they've not quite finished it. It, it feels unfinished, basically, nearly all the time. Um, so I reckon if, if there was a way to get Apple stuff, Apple quality stuff, and just kind of make it free. That would be that would be an ideal world, but let's face it, that's unlikely to happen. Yeah, I would I, I would say that's that's a little bit unlikely to happen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I mean, and um, when it came to things like Toast and Animate.css, I kind of thought, okay, I've made this thing and people really like it. I could charge for it, but then I think, well. Nobody, nobody wants to pay for this stuff. Nobody wants to pay for Photoshop or for for Panic's Coder, but they do, and it's because they they respect the uh, the developers and everything. But I just think, well, screw it. I'll I'll make it free. I want to make this free. I want to give this to as many people as I can. And um, if something's free, it, like if you get a free burger, it tastes better. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a fine line because. On on one hand, um, we go back to what we were just talking about with the web industry being so giving and 
and open and helpful. But on the other hand, I feel like sometimes I see stuff that I'm like, why are you not charging for this? <laughs> Take a uh, lost type, right? Lost type yeah. co-op. I mean, there are some just incredible fonts there. And they do have a, a way where you can contribute some money, but I don't understand why some of those, why why people aren't required to pay for some of those because I mean, those are beautiful fonts. And I, I've never created a font, but I know enough about it to know that even a simple font is, takes hours of work. I mean, I, are- I tried, I tried once, and I I gave up. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I think that's definitely um, the best example of why why aren't you charging for this? <laughs> yeah, and it, to me, it almost seems like developers and even people that would that would buy it is it's almost like they're they're disrespecting the developer. Mm. Like he put he or she or you know who or the whoever even if it was a group, I mean they put hours of their life into it, so it seems like. And I don't know. I feel like this even to a degree goes back to the the design freebies we were talking about earlier. It seems like on one hand, I really like the idea that people give things away for free and that 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 can that that happens. But I don't know. It seems like sometimes people need to put a little bit more thought into what they give away for free or whether that really should be free. And then when you go to something and you realize it's not free. I don't know. I feel like people almost expect things to be free now. Where, yeah. Well, this is this is the thing. I get um, like quite a lot of people actually say to me, "Why aren't you charging for Anime.css? I would pay like ten dollars for that thing." And I would say, "Well, if you think about it, if you say to someone, oh, this is all free,' they go, oh, that's amazing! I can't believe this is free.' If you put a single cent of a price tag on something, people will hesitate and go, hmm, that's.'" That's a bit weird that they're charging for this this thing that I could do myself, and it's just it is just such a strange phenomenon. I've seen it before where people kind of go, they see like a five like a, I think Kyle Steed's um, Kyle Steed's font handwritten font is like five dollars or something, and people go, oh, that's a bit expensive. Why why is it not free? And I go, Are you kidding? Like Helvetica costs like a thousand dollars for the for the uh, for the full license. And people are moaning about five dollar fonts, and then they see something like Lost Type and go crazy and download everything, without even saying thank you to uh, to the the uh, the designer. It's just I don't know. It's a it's a very fine line, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think Lost Type have got it right with the uh, pay what you want model. Because I mean, everyone could download it for free, and that'd be great. But then there are people, I've known people to pay like $50 on Lost Type for a font and go, that's, that's fantastic. It's certainly cheaper than you could buy. Even at 50 bucks, there's not a whole lot of fonts you can buy for less than a hundred bucks. And a lot of times the nice foundries will, you know, be charging $500 for a typeface or whatever. Yeah. Um, what about contributing to open source projects? I th- I feel like one of the biggest problems facing people who are who are young or maybe even they're not young but they're just getting into the web is how do I g- make a name here or how, how you know you don't need to be famous to be successful on the web but if nobody knows you you're not going to get any work and it's just gonna, you're going to have a hard time of it so 
you think contributing to open source is maybe a good way to to help get your name out a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you if you look at things like Modernize or jQuery or anything, they wouldn't be there without the contributors. And um, they're, they're just like anyone. Anyone can go on GitHub and go, okay, here's a problem with the code. I know how to fix it. Or even just pointing out a problem is a massive help to those, to those projects. I mean, um, I, I kind of pointed Paul Irish in the direction of an Android bug, and he put it in the Modernizer documentation. I kind of go, oh, okay, there you go. That's nice. And, um, yeah, definitely contributing to things like that. If you see a problem, even if you don't know how to fix it, even just telling somebody about it is going to be such a huge help to those people. And not just not just kind of to help them, but they'll kind of remember you as well. They'll thank you for it. So that it does go a long way. So somewhat in the same vein, uh, on the last couple of episodes, I've asked uh, Paul and Dan about you know, how do you get your name out and how do you let people know about you and how do you get work? And I don't know, I've, I've, that's a question that, uh, they, they both answered well, I thought. Um, and I, I know I've asked myself many times and I've heard a lot of different things. And one, one thing I've heard people say is, well, just do some work for free, uh, you know, nonprofits, charities. And that's always been something I've, I've personally thought about, but, on your about page, you say that uh, you are open to doing free websites for nonprofits and charities. It, how's that worked out for you? And, and I guess what prompted you to do that? And would you recommend it? Um, well, I've not actually had any um, nonprofits or charities approach me and, and ask me about that. But I, the, uh, I've done a couple of um, nonprofit charity websites for free. And I've found them to be the best clients because they're, well, they're nice people to start with. And um, there's kind of no pressure for budget. And that takes a lot of the pressure off in terms of time frame and everything as well. Like um, I'm still talking to them every now and then and going, um, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, do some work on the website over the weekend if you want to go, yeah, we, can we get this in as well? And it's quite good to, it's a really nice feeling as well if you can, help them. I mean, it's non-profits and charities who need exposure as well, because they're the ones who can't afford to make a website themselves. They can't afford to pay a designer. So if you find someone who needs a website for free, then do it, because it's more experience for you. It's it's a win-win situation, basically. I would say that's one of, the, one of the best ways to at least get some experience under your belt. It might not get you a ton of exposure, but you'll get a lot of experience along the way. Have have you have you found them to be uh, really great with pointing follow up work in your direction? Um, well, like I said, I've not had any extra work uh, from them or through that kind of information on my own website. But um, they do keep coming back to me if they've got work uh, that they need doing. They come back to me, and every now and then um, I will get paid for one of them, which is which is nice as well. So you get a client for life with them, basically. Unlike a lot of kind of Big corporations will give you like I don't know a, a pretty big sum of money to do one website and then never call you again. So yeah, I would definitely say that um, nonprofits and charities are, are my favorite clients. <laughs> and with that, we'll call it a show. Thank you so much for coming on, Dan. Uh, it was a great episode.
yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Um, this is there's a question that I don't know if you listen to the Shop Talk show with uh, Chris Coyer and Dave Rupert, but uh, I love the way they end that show. They end it by asking their guest guest how people can give them money. So <laughs> so how can people give Dan Eden money? Um, let me know if you're coming to Manchester and we'll go for a beer. You can buy me a beer. That's a good way. <laughs>